Father, I just want to um, give you this time now as we open your word together. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would grab hold of us for this moment, Lord, with all that's going on around us. Lord, we, we fix our eyes on you. We, and consciously, Lord, again, we lift our eyes to you to the one who is in control, to the one who is the creator, to the one who is before all things and after all things and above all things. Lord, we lift our eyes to you. We say, Lord, would you speak to us and would you get our attention again this morning uh, for your glory and for the advance of your kingdom, King Jesus. Amen. Right. Morning again. Um, for those who don't know me, my name's Nigel. I'm also part of the leadership team here, one of the, um, the team. Uh, I'm going to speak this morning from Exodus 3. Um, so it's slightly random, you might think, but I just feel like um, it, it's something. I, I was down in Biggin Hill, or as a family, we were down in Biggin Hill with Simon and Fiona and the family um, uh, two weeks ago, and this is what I preached there. And then I just really felt like I should bring it here as well. Um, it's actually based on something that was part of our Exodus series um, a few years ago. Some of you, the posters are still up. Um, I don't know if you've noticed. It wasn't just we put them up for this week. Um, but interestingly, Graham, we were chatting to Graham in the week. Um, and he was just saying, actually, I wonder if God doesn't want to, if those aren't on the wall because there's something that God is still speaking to us about. Particularly when we see the one that says, what kind of house Will you build for me? And you know, we're at a really interesting time in the purposes of God, I believe. And that we've been, we, I know we keep saying it, but we've been through a weird time with the pandemic and then afterwards kind of regrouping and trying to work out what God is doing. And we know that things are meant to look different. We've heard the prophetic words about the new era and sensing that God wants to do something new in this moment and that actually that he wants to use the pandemic and all the stuff that's going on afterwards as well to kind of shake things up and that in, the, in those moments of shaking, there's always something new that God wants to do. And actually that uh, we have a God who uses difficult moments, bumpy moments, uh, moments where things seem to be up in the air, actually because they're the times when we kind of lift our heads and go, God, what are you doing? And things are uncomfortable, but it, it, it makes us often more dependent on God, doesn't it? And more attentive to him. And there's something about this moment where we've been through the pandemic and and there's all sorts of confusion around us I don't know if you're aware of that we you know we go through prime ministers uh, well actually we've kept this one for quite a long time now haven't we um, but there's a lot of unsettledness and there's a lot of uncertainty and there's there genuinely is a lot of challenge as well financially and economically and that will be amongst us as a family as well but in the midst of that it's so key at these moments of unsettledness to say God what are you doing and what do you want to do because often it's when we're less comfortable that we have that 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 we allow God to speak in and as he has an opportunity to speak in because we're a little bit uh, less certain of what's going on and I think uh Sorry, back to the posters. I think some of the things that God spoke to us about before the pandemic and that he put in us and was talking to us about actually were, were, were in terms of preparation for what he wants to do in these coming days. And so there's a question, what kind of people are we going to be? What kind of house are we going to build? What does it mean to be the people of God in these days? Um, and just aware of our roots, our Exodus story, that actually we're a saved people. 
right? That's what defines us is that we've been rescued from sin. We've been rescued from slavery. That is our definition. We're destined for somewhere amazing, um, for somewhere much more glorious. And actually, we're in this middle bit where there's a, there's a, there's, it's often messy, Working out what does it look like to work for God, or to walk with God, I should say, between the rescue and the, and the promised future. And in this moment, I believe God wants to grab hold of us. Um, it, in some ways, it's a desert time. We're going to look at what uh, God did with Moses in the desert, where Moses was really unsure of what was going on. Um, in Exodus 3, we're going to read it in just a second, Moses has been in the wilderness for 40 years. He thought he knew how God was going to rescue his people. He tried his own way of doing it. It went a bit wrong. You need to read the story of that um, at the beginning of Exodus. But here in Exodus 3, we find Moses in the desert place. He's been there for 40 years. He's minding his own business. Uh, I guess he kind of thought maybe he'd, lo- he'd missed what God wanted to do. Uh, things had moved on. It didn't seem to work out. Now he's just tending sheep for his father-in-law. But God gets hold of Moses in that moment, in that desert moment, in that potentially, I don't know if he was confused or if he'd just given up. But actually, God, and I, I, the question I want to ask us that I feel like God wants to ask us is, what does it take to get hold of us in that moment of confusion? In that moment where we're not sure what is the lie of the land, God, what are you doing? What does it take for God to get hold of an individual? So let's read um, from Exodus 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. I'm going to have to go for the glasses. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, 
to you, and they ask me, who is, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And then I'm just going to go on to the beginning of chapter 4. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord didn't appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. And many of you will be familiar with the story. God gives um, Moses a couple of other signs of his, pre- his supernatural presence with him. But then just jumping to verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. But I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And not only is the Exodus story just such a great backdrop to who we are as the people of God and the fact that we are a rescued people, but also the story of Moses is just so, I don't know, so reassuring for us, isn't it? Because this is, Moses is one of the big names in God's book, isn't he? One of the big names in the story of history. He's the guy who leads the people ultimately across the Red Sea, uh, towards the promised land. He's the one who gets given the Ten Commandments. But here we see the inner workings of, uh, of the weak man, Moses. And I don't know about you, but I just love, I love the reality of Moses' questions to God. When God is trying to get his attention and get him included in his purposes and inviting him into what God is doing, I love the way that Moses is just always questioning and pushing him away. Who am I, he says. Who am I that you would choose me? Look at me. You don't know what goes on inside of me. Who am I? What shall I say? I don't know what to say. They won't believe me, God. I'm just not very good at speaking. I'm not very good at this stuff. I just don't know how to do it. Ultimately, please send someone else. And I don't know about you, but this, I, I, I have that kind of I don't know about you, I have that kind of conversation with God on a fairly regular basis. Uh, Do you? Just where you say, God, I I don't really, why have you put me here? Why do I have to deal with this? Why can't I just go off and be and look after sheep in the desert or on a desert island is my normal one. Uh, But but God, I I just don't, I'm not really good at speaking in this sort of situation. Or why why have you put me here with the... I, I don't, please, please send someone else, God. And I, I just, I don't know about you, I find it so reassuring that this is the kind of person, not only that God gets hold of, but that God uses to fulfill amazing purposes in his kingdom. Isn't that good news? We often say, who am I? God, why have you picked me? But God does, and that's the way he works. And in this moment of uncertainty and where we're trying to find where are we positioned, we're trying to actually just work our way through life and work out how it works and what are priorities and how actually do we manage with, uh, with, when prices are going up and we've got everything else going on around us. And yet my, my conviction is that in this moment, actually God wants to get hold of us. 
In that desert place, it's the very place when everything around us is shaking, where God wants to say, no, I want want your attention in this moment, because actually this is exactly when I want to move. And I believe that, I don't know, our nation, but the nations are ripe for a move of God. Amen? Isn't that right? In all that we're facing, but as God's people, we need... To innate, we need to allow God to get hold of us as he did with Moses. And there's three quick things that I just want to highlight to us from this story in terms of how God gets hold of his person in this moment. And the first is this. What is the first one? <laughs> no, I know really. God gives Moses a burning bush to get his attention. But you know, what is key, we don't need a burning bush, but what we do need is Moses' decision that he makes at that point. And have you noticed, it's really interesting. Verse 3 of chapter 3 of Exodus, Moses says this, I will turn aside. So there's a bush that burns, but Moses' response is, I'm going to turn aside to see what God is doing in this moment. And I believe there's something that we have to do if, if we want to allow God to do what he wants to do through us in this moment. And that is make that decision, that choice of the will that says, I will turn aside to see what God is doing. I will turn aside to be with God, to get before him and say, Lord, here I am. Amen. And, you know, one of the things that we've, uh, interestingly, again, just going back to the whole thing of what has God spoken to us as a people over the last couple of years. Do you remember in the pandemic, one of the things we did was we read through that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, Hopefully lots of you were here for that. But actually that sense that God wanted us to, to make enough space that we might be with him. Make enough space. Do that decision of turning aside when God wants to get our attention. And it's a choice that we've got to make. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be complicated. But we do have to make that choice in the moment to turn aside to be with God. That's the key starting point for God using us and for God working amongst us. Is that he gets our attention and in response we say, God, I'm going to turn aside. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. And it will look like different things for each of us. But it's choosing those moments where we get a, a, we don't, maybe we don't get a burning bush, but we get a whisper of God. Or we get a moment where we've, we've got a choice. And we say, God, I'm going to give this moment to you. Before I do the X, Y, or Z, before I meet this person, before I go to work, I'm, just, I'm going to turn aside to be with you. And we must, that is, it's a critical thing that we must do in this moment. There's lots of confusion. There's lots of busyness. And, you know, there are so many demands on us, as there always are in our culture. And this is a, this is a key one for our culture, is to say, no, there's a priority that means that I am going to make space. I'm going to turn aside to be with God. Amen? Just allowing him that foothold, allowing him space to come in, to be with us, to, to begin to speak to us. Uh, we, and look, use any idea, use any opportunity. We've, um, in our house, I'm not saying this because it's great, because we've 
not done it that well yet, but I'm just like, it's Advent, everybody's opening Advent calendars, we're going through December, we're doing this little thing every day, why can't we do a God thing every day as well? And this is not original, I know, but like, as a family, when we do, you know, when people have done their Advent calendars, we're going to pray together. We're just going to have some things through December that we're going to pray about. It's just an excuse. Okay, we're on December the 4th now, we've done it once. But look, so my, my point isn't, we are really good at it. My point is, take any opportunity or any idea or any bit of time and turn aside to be with God. Because always that invites the presence of God in. That always invites the kingdom in. That always allows God to take another step with you to say, look, this is what I want to do. So can we turn aside? Can we determine, even in the busyness of Christmas, to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose the moments. What, what will work for you? But will you turn aside to see what God wants to say? And I love the response of God because, God, you see, God is waiting for this. Absolutely, I believe it. The way in verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, then he went on with the next bit. So God is waiting for us to turn aside. God is waiting for us to put aside time to be, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be grand, but we need to be with him. We need those moments where we say, God, here I am. Will you just come and be, will you come and reassure me of your love again? Will you come and speak to me? And particularly in these moments when things are confusing, when maybe we're feeling stretched, Actually, those are the times where God wants to cultivate dependence on him. Amen? That's where he wants us. He wants us in a place where we're dependent on him. And actually, because that's the most important thing for us, he will go to great lengths to get us to the place where we need to be dependent on him sometimes. And will allow circumstances to happen around us so that we get to the point where we go, God, I'm dependent on you because that is what it's going to take. So allow the stirrings, allow the things that unsettle you to cause you to turn aside to God. Amen? That's the first thing, will we turn aside? The second thing is this, and it's about our identity. When Moses says to God, God, why me? Why have you picked me out? What, what do you... Who am I? Look, I've got these, these issues going on. I've got these weaknesses. Who am I? Why would you choose me? And I just love God's answer in that moment because he just doesn't do it like we would. You know, what I would like in that moment is for God to go, hey, buddy, you are great. Look, you've got this. You're so good. Let me just encourage you. you last time you did it, you were fantastic. I, you're amazing. You've got these gifts. Come on, you can do it. Come on, go for it. God doesn't do that. He doesn't answer the question really. Well, he kind of answers the question, but not in the way that Moses was expecting. When Moses says, who am I, God? He says, I will be with you. I'll be with you. That's his answer to who am I? What a weird answer, isn't it? But I believe that that is key for us, actually. You know, we have lots of questions about who we are and identity in our culture is a massive area of confusion and questioning. But you know, what God wants to say to us is the thing that defines you, people of God, is that I will be with you. 
Actually, it's not, about, it's not about what you've done. It's not about what makes you up or your personality or how you feel about this or um, your experience or how good or not you might be at something. What defines you as a believer, what defines you as someone in God's people is that he is, is with you. That he's, his promise is, I will be with you. And God's point is that he wants that to be what defines us. Amen? Not our questionings of whether we can do it or not, or whether, whether or not this is good, or whether we're going to make it, or uh, whether we're the right person in this situation, and God can... No, 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 none of that. God says, I will be with you. That's the definition of us now as God's people. That is what sets us apart with a people that Jesus is with. And I want, uh, what I want to say to us is let that be the thing that defines us in this moment. Not anything else. And so that means that all of us can be involved. Anybody, everybody in what God wants to do. Because it's not about what we've done. It's not about our experience. It's not about how gifted or not we are. It's not about what we think we are good at or, or what our experience is. It's the fact that God is with us. And that's who we are with the people that God is with. I mean, we go on about it at this time of year enough. Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah? Identity, or it's, it's so key who you're with. See, if I said that I was going to go, you, I, you may have heard me say this before. If I said that I was going to go to Buckingham Palace and knock on the door um, because I wanted to have a, a chat with King Charles there, I did it. See, it's difficult, isn't it, to get that right? Um, you know, I, I, I want to come in, I want to have a look round, see what you've done with the place. Um, no chance. I'm not going to get into the palace. But you know, the, it was, the same was true of Kate Middleton once. She couldn't have knocked on the door and gone in. But now she's with Will and the door's open to her. And you see, everything changes depending on who you're with. And everything changed for us when God said, I'll be with you. And that's the thing that defines you is I'm with you. And so no one is written out of this script. There's a great prophetic word that we haven't mentioned for a very long time. It was in the very early days of this church. Who was here 30-odd years ago and remembers that, that, that prophetic word about don't write yourself out of the script? June, you will remember this, won't you? Don't write yourself out of the script. I'm putting on a massive production, God says. Don't write yourself out of the script. Why? Because I'm with you. It doesn't matter what you, how you want to define yourself. I'm defining you as the person that Jesus is with. And that makes all the difference. Thank you. And the third thing is this. Will we, will we make the choice to turn aside? And that's going to take a deliberate, conscious act of the will. Will we define ourselves as the people that Jesus is with and nothing else? And the third thing is this. is God's question to Moses, what have you got in your hand? Because I believe for us to respond in the moment, these things are so simple, aren't they? But actually cooperating with God is simple, isn't it? God says to us, what have you got in your hand? We don't have to come on, you know, often I think we're, we're waiting for the big blueprint. We're waiting from the sign in the sky that says that this is, this is what I want you to do. But actually God says, what have you got in your hand? What have I put around you? What have I, what, what have I given you? What gifts have I given you? What... What do you have at your disposal? 
For Moses, it was a staff. Moses wasn't even aware of it. And what God did in that moment in turning the staff into a serpent was he said, the very ordinary things that are in your hand and about your life, I can come in power right there. I can turn them around and supernaturally use them because that's what God is. He's, He's not limited. He can turn the staff that Moses lent on into a serpent and so on. He goes on with other signs. But the point is, what have you got in your hand? And that is what I, that's what I love about uh, the guys in Bassett and what they've got hold of with Alpha. For the, because that wasn't, that wasn't our idea as leaders or gateway or anything like that. That is because what they've got in their hands is a dream that God's put, is put in their heart. He's given them something and they are grabbing hold of it and saying, okay, God, we'll take you at your word. It's not always straightforward, but, but we're going to go after this because it's what you've given us. And it's the thing in front of us. And God says to each of us, what have you put, what have you got in your hand? I love the thing that is going on with warm spaces. And we are beginning weekly now to open up this building and say, if, if you can't afford to you know, heat your home or whatever, or you just want a space to be, then there's a place that you can come. Now, it hasn't really taken off as yet. It's early days. I'm believing God for something there. Uh, but the point is that it's what we've got in our hand. We've got a building. That's why I love that principle. It's not complicated. It's simple. But we've got something. And God says to us, what have you got in your hand and how can you use it? And that, actually, that principle is all over Swindon. There's 30 or so warm spaces. There might be more now. But they're all over the country where people, where often believers, but not just, are opening up buildings and saying, look, we've got this. We've got a space. Why don't you come in? Why don't you come and talk to us and have a coffee with us? And maybe we pray for you or what? Whatever, but it's, what, what have you got in your hand? And I believe that's a question to each of us. It's like, well, what, what, what relationships, what, God, what people has God put around you? What bits of time do you have? Or maybe, maybe it's money or gifts that God's given you that you're not using right now. But the question is, God says, will you, will you take a look at what you've got in your hand? And will you see what I, what I'm gonna do with, what I can do with it? And it's those little first steps when we've turned aside and we've recognized that we're in because we're with Jesus. And we say, God, what, what, what is it that's around me? What is it? Maybe it's my neighbor. Maybe it's this person that I see every, every day across the street. Maybe it's, you know, what, what has God, but the, the small things. And let's bring them before God in prayer and say, God, what do you want to do with these things that you've put in my hand? There's such, you know, the man, the great man of God, Moses, he, he asked all these questions of God. He was struggling with, with even being involved in God's purposes again. He thought he'd blown it. But God says, no, I, I want to call you in because it's not really about you, Moses. And it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do in this moment of shaking. If we will only turn aside and listen to his voice and make that time and say, God, how do you want to speak to me? How do you want to grab hold of me? I'm going, to, I'm going to identify myself with you. That means that I, I can't disqualify myself on the basis of, of what, I, what I've done or not done in the past or what, what I'm good or not good at because I'm going to be defined by being with you, Jesus, and obeying you and looking at what, I've got, looking at what you've given me, looking at what, what, what gifts I've got, what things I've got in my hand, what, what people you've put around me and saying, God, what do you want to do? God, will you do something new? Will you, will you break in supernaturally with those things that you've put in my hand? Amen? Simple things, but God wants to get hold of us in this moment, I believe.